Welcome to the Social Lights podcast with Kate Vandervoort, where I interview changemakers and innovators on how they connect with their tribe on social media. Brought to you by Social Mediology. Welcome everybody to the podcast today. I am here with Dustin Miller, Polly Innovator. Big words. So, Dustin is an omni-content creator, host of the Polymath Polycast, not a podcast, and creator of the Modular Degree Framework. So I'm really excited to explore some of these uh, terminologies and topics with Dustin today. So welcome, Dustin. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Kate. And yeah, there's a lot of random words and a lot of things that are super interesting, but ironically, they're not really random. They're all intentional. And I think branding is super important. And I wanted to go into just ways of explaining myself, but like from the words themselves before we even get into the content, so to speak. Great. So we will delve into those words, but I want to ask you one question first, and that is what lights you up? What gets you out of bed in the morning? The idea of making a change. So I think I even mentioned this on the matchmaker thing when we first messaged each other and I was like, okay. Which is a podcast matchmaking platform. Yes. Just people yes. <laughs> Matchmaker.fm. Um, it's one of the things where I always try to incorporate this idea of hashtag make a change. So even from a young age, I thought about like, what can I do to change something? Even today, I got a task to go clean up a certain area and I decided, okay, what can I do to change this area and make it better, more efficient? And this is how my brain works. And I wanted to change the world. I was like, how do you do that? Like, I wanted to be a change in the world. Like Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see. And I always thought, okay, what are the actions I can take to make the steps forward, ripple and pay it forward kind of thing. So content came into mind, but also changing education in recent years. And I just wanted to unite the world, which is a grandiose thing but it's what's what I wanted to do so what is a poly innovator explain Mm. this concept of poly innovation and poly math and all of these poly amazing words that you use man if you look at my website from a year ago you'd see so many different polys everywhere poly means much or many in ancient greek polis and poli and it just means many different actions you can take so poly innovator is this polymath of innovation so innovation being just like making a change in a certain area and whether that is education like i'm trying to do now or maybe smart cities down the line or something along the lines of just innovating how we approach music which is a future phase for poly innovator as well which don't talk about too much And just the idea of a polymath is someone with much or many learnings. So someone who knows a lot of things. You can even think of Leonardo da Vinci. And I know this is kind of contentious in some circumstances, but Elon Musk as well, or Bezos and all these different innovators who are entrepreneurs and doing many different things. Elon Musk literally knows rocket science and he taught it himself. And so someone who's a self-learner with many different interests and many different knowledge areas. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. And it not only makes for really interesting people, but I think it makes for um, when I, when I look at some of those people that you're talking about, that they can apply what they learn in one area to many different areas as well. And so I think you see a a scale there that maybe as a, as an entrepreneur focused on one thing that you might, you know, the, the multidisciplinary, what we get from lots of different areas. So Mm. I imagine you have a lot of that and what you learn in one area, you can apply 
to others. Yeah, it's a very astute answer. And the integration of knowledge between different areas or transcontextual thinking, as it's called, is very important. You mentioned something there as a scale. And actually something I'm trying to do as a change maker in polymathy. So polymaths and multipotentialites and jack of all trades and all these different terms, they all kind of mean this multidisciplinary person. And I realized that there's a lot of isolation with those terms. People identify as one or the other, but to me, I saw it as a spectrum or a scale. There's a scale of knowledge. And so something that I've been trying to change is this perception of the multidisciplinary people. So I created this multidisciplinary spectrum where you can kind of identify yourself along that kind of line, although there's multiple lines, obviously, but this kind of pathway of polymath or specialist or multi-potentialite or this new word that someone I know came up with, octopotentialite, with like an octopus kind of hands in all these some cookie jars and jack of all trades, generalist, whatever term really fits you best, you can self-identify with that. And it helps people realize who they are, which I think is helpful. So Dustin, tell me a bit about your journey up to, how did you decide to be in this space to start your business to focus on what you're focusing on well and i've mentioned this story before but i think it's interesting for this particular podcast as well because a change maker idea or entrepreneur this kind of came at me at a young age even eight or nine i was asking my family for office supplies for my birthday because i wanted to become an entrepreneur businessman as i would say (laughs) and as i got a little bit older like 16, just teenage years, basically, I was thinking like, I want to be a CEO. And the reason why I identified as that, and this is important for this show, is I wanted to have the power to make a change. And for some reason, I latched onto the idea of being a CEO, because CEOs have the power to make a change in the world. And through business is how I wanted to become a change maker. And that's how my thought process was. And eventually, I realized it was more than just business. It was social entrepreneurship. And so I wanted to become a CEO of an international company driven to innovate technology and ideology. And those were the words, a little elevator pitch coming out of a teenager's mouth. And that was the motivation behind what I do now with Poly Innovator or even my previous endeavor, which was the United Living Construct, uh, hub of innovation, if you will. And so like that was the mentality behind it. Wow. And so at what point did you start identifying with being a poly innovator and polymath and you kind of, you know, you talked right at the very beginning about branding being important. How did you land on that? Poly innovator came out because I realized that I wasn't good enough for my other brand. And it's not a like self-deprecating thing. It was more along the lines of I needed to grow. I created the United Living Construct as a blog, as a website, as this online platform as I was trying to build it into. And I realized I wasn't good enough to create this organization to unite people around the world. I wanted to become a change maker. I wanted to help other people become change makers. World unity through self-development, as I would call like call it, I guess you could live. Ah, can't speak as you could say. And I realized, okay, I needed to become better. I needed to learn more. And so I created my modular degree system, this do-it-yourself education. At the time, I called it a DIY degree. And I pulled together 450 courses from around the internet, which was way too much. I had to trim it down. But I pulled together this massive list of courses and was listening to podcasts like this and books and reading books and reading articles and watching shows and watching videos on YouTube, just learning as much as I can. And I realized, okay, this system that I put together could be really useful for other people. Other people are already pursuing their own versions of it, like Scott Young or Laurie Picard and all these people who do like no pay ABA, MIT challenge, really cool endeavors, but they were too specific. 
I wanted something for polymaths. I wanted for someone who was multidisciplinary. I wanted to create an education for people in a modern way. Yeah, wow. What, what great goals and ambitions to have. There's a little question that's burning in the back of my mind around, and it's probably the judgments I place on myself when I'm doing too many things at once. How do you, as a poly innovator, or when you're focused on many things, how do you go deep on those things and make them meaningful and, and kind of instigate that change that you're talking about? Well, and I, I love the question. It's obviously something very important to ask. To me, it seems so simple, but to other people, it doesn't. And that's something that's really important to distinguish. And I think it's a good way of going about it is a jack of all trades is someone who is maybe average level in many different things. Like if you're novice or average, it doesn't really matter. It's early on. Polymath is someone who's basically an expert at master level in many different areas, three or plus, three plus essentially. And a lot of people confuse those two terms. They think a polymath is someone who is just kind of dabbling everywhere. It's like, which they are, but they have multi-specialties in, the, in a way. Jack of all trades, master of none is the statement that everyone knows, but it continues, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And that's something that distinguishes it from being a negative connotation to a positive. When you have multiple skills, like you mentioned in the beginning, that integration between different knowledge areas, it actually can expedite your learning and those skill sets. Like me knowing how to swim, because I've taught swimming for about a decade now, allows me to actually translate that knowledge into other areas. The way I break down swimming allows me to break down other topics using like the Feynman technique or other learning methods. You start to think, okay, learning something simple. And you can translate knowledge from swimming to other fitness or even outside the fitness realm. So that's one way of going about it. But on top of that, too, you can only focus on something for so long and your brain gets bored of it. You start to lose interest. And so switching between stuff actually helps interleave learning and knowledge, allowing you to actually stay focused for longer, more of a deep work, but you're switching between which you deep work on this, you deep work on that, and you switch between them over the day, week, month, year. Yeah, that's really interesting. As someone who does a lot of speaking and training, I do have days where I go, oh, I'm saying the same thing again. And you're right, when you learn something new and you integrate that into what you already know, um, it brings a freshness and a um, more depth, I guess, to what, what you're talking about. Well, and I, I wasn't complaining per se. I just wanted to make sure I give the right context to your audience too, because people who want to change, they might be more multidisciplinary. I think people who are listening to your show might identify as that. They might be like, hey, I don't fit into this one little box and they don't want to, and that's okay. And that's what I want to change in the world too. And I want people to realize it's okay to be multidisciplinary. Even if you seem like a flake to some people, to other people, you're going to seem really amazing. I interviewed someone who is a ballerina, but also, also a physicist. And I that dynamic is just like shocking to people but to me it seemed natural it's like okay that's beautiful it's awesome let's talk about it and I want to exemplify those traits in people yeah and it's you know now more than ever people need to be multi-skilled they need to have flexibility and adaptability and we don't work for one company for 50 yeah. years and get the gold watch we need to be able to move and change and you know the last 12 months has shown us that more than ever I think yeah, exactly. Oh, especially the last 11 months or year or so. But let's also talk about that one company. Like you work for one company for 50 years, but guess what? You're not working that company with the same position unless like you haven't got promoted, which that's on you. But most of the time you're working entry level, middle level, maybe C level if you get promoted that high, but or you're pivoting between the middle management kind of areas. 
each one of those jobs or positions are its own career, its own skill sets, its own mastery over that area of knowledge. And so you actually, like, it's like, even if you're doing the same job, manager versus entry level, managing people, you're no longer doing that job. You're managing. That's a whole new skill set. And so you actually become a polymath over your career anyways. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So what's your vision for, um, I want to say your company, but it's really for your life because this seems to be as much a lifestyle as it is a profession. Um, What's your vision? Where do you see yourself going? Well, I created Poly Innovator to be the foundation for my life. I wanted to be able to do so many different things. Growing up, I loved video games and I wanted to work in video games. Well, I also love music. Who's to say I could work in music too? I grew up in a fitness background. My first job was a lifeguard, but then I became real quickly a swim instructor afterwards, water aerobics and personal training and water boot camp, and everything else. And so fitness is a background that I want to talk more about with Poly Innovator. On top of that, I started working on that do-it-yourself education. That became my first phase. Next one will be exercise, maybe music and gaming and all these other ones. And so I realized if I wanted to do all these different careers in a traditional way, I had to get degree, 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 and do all these things that traditional people would know I had to do. Whereas I wanted to find my own way of doing it. And I realized if I had a foundation I could build off of like a tree, then I could do all these different things with that building block right there. So that's where I see myself is doing these different phases throughout my life. It's, it's really interesting because you're a little bit younger than I am, only a little bit, um, but I think, it's, um, I think it's quite generational too and it's really exciting to see the younger workforce coming through who just, it, it, there's nothing traditional about it, you know, and you look mm-hmm. at all of these aggregation platforms where you've got micro jobs that people can either specialise and do, you know, go deep or they can specialise along, you know, across a number of different areas but there's so many ways to put it together now and to build the ideal life and the blurring of the boundaries I think between that professional work nine to five and lifestyle you're showing that you know all of that can be in one yeah well and there's this misconception too like over the past hundred years since the industrial revolution we've been specializing and falling down into that one niche or trench because that's what we're supposed to be cogs on the wheel in these factories. And every person had one job, did that job well and moved on to the next person who did that job well, but we're no longer doing that. And even the digital marketing specialist position, I love that as an example, because you're not a specialist. A digital marketing specialist knows SEO, social media marketing, pay-per-click, email marketing, and all these different facets of marketing that are no longer just, you're not a specialist you are a generalist and then you get some specialists who do one of those things but that's just now happening in the past few years as you know and it's interesting how they were looking for generalists all along but they use the specialist terminology and they're like looking for someone who does a b and c and d and then if you look at like linkedin jobs or even indeed and all these different job platforms they're looking for people with soft skills and project management and interdisciplinary knowledge yet they say specialists and they want someone with one specialty when in actuality they're looking for unicorns and people with multidisciplinary traits. Mm, Absolutely. Um, So what impact do you think this way of thinking has on the world or on how we do business? This way of thinking as in like being too niched down or being a polymath? Being a polymath. So the, yeah. So I think for, Oh, sorry. Nope. 
Okay. I think that for people who are multidisciplinary, it's, it's accepting who you are. Like for people who are more specialists, it's fine. People who are more multidisciplinary, that's fine. But people who are specialists are naturally in the societal construct that we've made more accepted. And so there's a lot of people who drop out of college, like Steve Jobs, who is not a specialist. He is a multidisciplinary polymath that we can obviously say now postmortem, but like back then he was just following his gut and entrepreneurs do that now. We're seeing that rise of entrepreneurship. We're seeing a lot of these changes happen. And like you mentioned too, there's this generational thing, but I think even people of other generations have this trait as well. And there's this societal norms where now with the internet, we have choices. We have the capacity to do new things. And that's what I'm trying to do with a modular degree and change how we do education. But there's people doing that in business or in blockchain and all these new fields like VR. Like doing a VR talk show, you have to know technology to do that. And so you can't just go from the TV world to doing VR. It doesn't work like that. Not yet, at least. And so it's interesting how the changes we're seeing in technology are changing how we approach societal constructs as well. And yeah, I mean, that's such an important point about the technology enabling us to do so much more than we ever could have imagined doing. Um, And it's interesting because I know in Australia and the US, it's a little bit different in terms of where we rate university and college and how that, how that, or how important that is in somebody's progression through their life. Um, How do you see the rise of online education as you say build your own degrees that flexibility you know that's really disrupting the traditional education model Mm -hmm. um are you seeing more acknowledgement of that way of training and skilling up um being acknowledged i guess because there was a time with online courses it was a bit like well you're not really qualified yeah um and interestingly particularly in digital marketing the degrees around digital marketing are so outdated by the time the curriculum is finished (laughs) Um, in this industry in particular that um flexibility and that modular aspect of and and the the people teaching even not necessarily being academics but being people who've got real life experience i kind yeah. of put a whole lot into that question but no but it's true it's interesting because like you said by the time the curriculum goes through the accreditation process which in the u.s is just ridiculously long and i'm sure it's probably is down there too and by the time he gets to the school let alone to the actual curriculum being used in the classroom it's already outdated when it comes to digital marketing or coding or any kind of digital field that's evolving now it changes so quickly like they used to say six months but i would argue even three months three months ago i would never really cared about youtube shorts even though it was a, a thing but now i'm like i have to make this part of my strategy Instagram Reels, it's the same thing. Six months ago, it came out kind of more happening. Now, three months ago, it's almost a requirement. And like when it first came out, you could get away with cheating and just reposting your TikToks with the watermark. But now three months ago, that changed to where now you can't do that. And now Instagram changes algorithm to where it's not going to support it as much. But people are going viral by just reposting their TikToks. And it was changing. That's so quick. People don't even realize Reels are a thing when it comes to like the degree people. And so it's interesting how with different marketing and other technology fields, but even in non-technical fields too, when it comes to learning new skills, it's so much easier online. Like I would say it's easier because you can actually choose when you learn, how you learn. Do you want to watch it? Do you want to listen to it? Do you want to read it? Those are different ways of learning. Some people need to have their way of doing it. For my shows, for example, I make sure it's written audio and video for my main series, the Omni content, because I know that some people are going to be visual. Some people want to just listen to it while they're working, that kind of thing. 
And you were mentioning earlier too, how the pandemic had changed a lot of things. People are working in their more routines. Now they're remote working. Well, you can also do remote learning. You're also working and learning in your cycles, your circadian rhythms. So you're actually learning and working at higher efficiency manners because you're working at the energy levels that you have. 10 a.m., 10 p.m. are my best times a day. If I was working a nine to five, I'd be wasting those hours. I wouldn't even get to the second one. Now I can choose when I work or learn. Yeah, and I think, again, the last 12 months has pushed that adoption of flexibility in a way that we couldn't have imagined happening. I think it's probably brought work from home and flexible um, working arrangements right to the forefront, you know, five years before it was it was due. For sure. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your tribe and the people that you attract or even some of the communities that you connect into um, of people who are who are like-minded poly math innovators yeah, poly innovators <laughs> Well, and I don't necessarily call other people poly innovators because that's the idea that I wanted to create for myself. And I think that other people should probably do their own thing too. Like there's a tribe that I know of, the octopotentialites, that are not multi-potentialites, which are just people with the potential to do many different things. It's a term that they, I helped them make, but they made for their group, octopotentialites, octopreneurs, whatever you want to call it. Having your own name for a group, I think is important. And I kind of go for this, this polymath tribe, but I think that I might recreate that or poly innovator construct as I have called it in the past too, to kind of take after that old endeavor I did. But this people of multidisciplinary group ideals, like there's so many different tribes out there. I've come across multiple different pods on Discord and Reddit and Facebook and YouTube and even LinkedIn too. There's these different groups and I wanted to unite them all under one umbrella. And the thing is, when it comes to, let's say a marketing tribe or a marketing Facebook group, if you looked at one next to the other one, it's going to be very similar. There's not much diversity when it comes to those fields of knowledge. One might focus a little bit more on email. One might focus more on social media, but the same ideas are going to be cross-pollinating. But when it comes to polymath pockets, a polymath themselves, like someone who knows marketing, let's say science, uh, physics, for example, and then gardening and crocheting. Those are all different skills and that's one person. And then you have 30 of those people. Well, then you have exponentially amount of more combination of people. And then there's another tribe with an all different exponential amount of people. So when it comes to multidisciplinary pockets like this, each pocket on its own is its own entity, its own like a uh, hive mind, if you will. I wanted to create a bigger one umbrelling over it, but I'm not going to replace any of those. It's just going to be in, a, in addition to it. And that's the way I wanted to look about it. It's not competition. It's more unity. Yeah. Interesting. And so how do you approach that? Like when you're looking to collaborate or to um, join forces with or connect with, how do you approach that with people? Well, and I'm still starting out on it. So I want to make sure that I mentioned that because I created this poly.tribe.so you like this social network for it because i thought that facebook groups are too limited same same with linkedin groups and discord is a little too gaming for a lot of people and slack is too basic even though slack and discord are basically the same feature set although discord actually just recently came out with a clubhouse alternative which i think is cool but i think that having 
a social network, if you will, because on tribe.so, the tool I'm using, you can do Q&A questions, you can do blog posts, regular posts, and stuff like that. So it's a unique way of building connections between people. You can even make groups within this group, which I think is really cool. And so that's how I'm trying to go about it. I want to be able to have a second home for these different groups. So they can make their own group on my big tribe. And that way you can still have your own identity, but also have the cross-pollination between these different pockets together. Yeah, interesting. And you mentioned Clubhouse. Have you delved into Clubhouse? Oh, <laughs> for those listening, time, think of a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening in, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit there because I don't have an iOS device, so I can't even <laughs> use Clubhouse. And so I've been very heated about that in the past few months. I even made a blog post saying like, I'm not going to buy an iPhone or iOS device for this app. And the reason why I was so mad is that last summer, I, there was an app that came out called Voice Hub, which is Clubhouse, but better. It had iOS and Android for one, but you also could record your conversations and it already came out beforehand. So I had experience on platforms like this. And now Twitter Spaces has come out. At least I had it on my phone. I don't know if they activated mine or not early or if it's just finally released. But Instagram, Discord, I think Slack, uh, let's see, LinkedIn, Facebook, even though they have Instagram too, all of them are doing their own clubhouse alternative. Telegram too. Yeah. And so it's like all these different tools, which is amazing how like all of them got so quick on that are not copying this feature set. So I don't think that clubhouse is the most ideal platform with its exclusivity, even though I got like six invites. Thank you for those of you who invited me. But <laughs> I think that the unique aspect to how it's audio communication like, this is recorded we can mess up you'll cut it out that's great with a live panel like you have with that there's a different feeling to it it's not replacing podcasting but it is adjacent and i imagine the random drop-ins from mark zuckerberg and michael stelsner and you know all the yeah. people are going to stop over time as well you know they're, yeah. they're there when it gets started but i'm also an android user and i have installed yes. it on my on one of my children's ipads that's what a lot <laughs> so, of people keep telling me they did yeah so i'm like are you finished with your ipad yet i need to <laughs> anyway that alone has also stopped me spending a lot yeah. of time in clubhouse which is probably a good thing because those that are really into it yeah. have said you know you need about four hours a day to really make it and who's got four hours a day to spare <laughs> yeah. well and i'm mad i can't get the first mover advantage on it but i honestly i don't get too I don't want to say pissy, but like, I don't get too cranky when it comes to something like this, but for some reason, I'm really upset about it. And I think a lot of people like you who also had to like either adapt or just get crap out of luck about it too. Like, I think that's a bad way of building reputation for me. I have a bad context now with that app, despite the fact it's a good app, people are on it. It's a good way of being communicating, but I'm just going to go straight into Twitter spaces and start dominating that instead. Cause now yeah. I'm going to be anti clubhouse and work on these other different platforms. Well, and I think that's the beauty, and we talk about this a lot in our courses and our community, that um, where your avatar is, where your ideal person is, is not going to be on every platform. And so you don't have to dominate on every platform. You don't even have to try every platform, but really honing in and finding where your ideal customer, your ideal community are hanging out. Um, we've got so many options for that now. I agree and disagree. So 
finding your ideal persona, that's obviously very important. But for someone like me, my niche is polymathy. I've literally called that the anti-niche because it's multiple, it means like having multiple topics in a way, which is why I have my phases and my sub-niches, if you will, being my main thing. So I think that each sub-niche would get its own persona. I think that's the best way of going about that. But then my overall personal brand is an umbrella. It's an umbrella of sub-niches. And so who's going to be my ideal persona for that? I don't really know. Probably polymaths, people who would just identify as that and they'll be like, okay, this is cool. I'll follow it. But I've always been under impression when it comes to marketing that you want to be omnichannel or multi-channel depending on how you want to phrase it. I think there's a contextual thing there, but to me, omnichannel just means being everywhere and not just e-commerce centric. I think that you should be everywhere as best you can. I think that eventually at some point it's going to be fully required. We're still at the stage now where it's not required. You don't need to be everywhere. You can skip out on some platforms, but I think that if you can do it successfully on all these different platforms, you're going to dramatically increase your success. I think that's one of the challenges though, is that for most people, unless you've got a team that's working on your content, it's very difficult to do well on all platforms. And that's the struggle that most people have in business and I mean I think this you actually made a really good point that most podcasts kick off at about the 40 minute mark Um, this could be a very long conversation but I think (laughs) the um, there's so many different elements to that one is where your customer is and not everyone's on club you know if your customers are android users they're sure as heck not on clubhouse Um, but also it's about what the person creating the content is comfortable with. And I know some people who excel when it comes to audio and just voice, Then, but they're terrified of being on camera. And I know other people that are fabulous on camera, but, um, you know, they're not so great with the written word. So right. um, there's obviously loads of tools now available to help you bridge some of those gaps, which is exciting and great for content creators. Um, but I even find it in my own business. It's so difficult to do really well on all of the platforms unless you've got a team of people doing that. So how do you approach that? Yeah, I don't think you need a team. I think that it helps if you do. Obviously, Gary Vee has a team behind him and that's how he's able to do his work. But the stuff he's doing, the amount he's cranking out is what I go for. Like something he said for some reason stuck with me. He's like, you need to be creating 100 pieces of content a day. And it's like, people hear that yeah yeah see if you people can't see your face right now table hearing that <laughs> but why is that so crazy like okay 50 tweets you can do 50 tweets in a day that's crazy but it's it, it's viable who says each one of those pieces of content has to be super unique it has to just be unique to that platform so there's a combination of repurposing and cross-posting people often scoff at cross-posting or even think it's bad but if you're cross-posting for example i post all my instagram pics to pinterest I want to be present on Pinterest, but I can't make the bandwidth to make a specific strategy for it. So right now that's all I'm doing on there, but I get like 1K view a month purely because of that or the few shares that I actually do on there. That's one way of taking that post and making it go farther. And something I came up with this actually this year is this idea of strategy plus automation times execution equals success. So Gary Vee is always talking about hustle, 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 whatever. That's great. But if you don't have the right strategy or the tools, you're not going to be able to do anything with that hustle. And that's what happened to me. I burned out at one point because I had hustle, 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 but I couldn't find the right tools. I've tried over 95 social media management tools, and I've yet to find more than one that actually suits what I want for my needs. And that was co-scheduled that actually worked, but it's too expensive for me to use. And I just thought people might be curious which one it was. And so I tried so many different tools. I tried ways of organizing everything. 
And I finally found a strategy that works for me that I, if I can do it, that'd be great. I'm still working on the actual execution of that. And I have the execution factor. I don't mind working all day. After this, I'm going to eat and then I'm going to go work on Poly Innovator in some way, shape or form. I don't mind staying up late and working on stuff. So I have the execution. What I'm lacking is the automation part. So there's actually tools. There's content fries, repurpose.io, typestudio.co or dot. Yeah, I think .co. And there's many tools where you can actually take your content and repurpose it in other formats. I think Headliner is another big one too. So you take your podcast that you're doing right now. We're doing just audio, but we could do video too. You could transcribe it or do your takeaways and make a blog post. Boom, you have three pillar pieces right there. You take that, you make that into tweets, your blog post into tweets. You take the audio, make audiograms for let's say Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can also take the videos, put it on YouTube and obviously Facebook and chop them up into little micro clips. From there, you already have a ton of posts. My strategy, and I'll stop rambling here in a second, but my strategy is you take your main piece of content, you share it the day of, you share it the day later at the opposite time of day, so you can maximize your reach that way, a week later, a month later, half a year later, and then a year later. Because most of my content, I'm sure a lot of yours is too, is pretty evergreen. And so we can actually take that information and share it longer. Well, if you take that six different posts that you're making per content piece, you're already getting a crap ton of posts right there. And then you have the different clips and the different quotes you make and that kind of thing. So it really starts to add up quick. Yeah, fantastic. And that's such a common question is how do you do that? So thank you for sharing how you do that. It's um, really useful for people to see that it's, it is possible and it doesn't require a team. But I do still um, stand by, I think it's very difficult to do all platforms yeah. really well yeah. without, without support, without a team. Um, so Dustin, just as we're thinking about wrapping up, what's when you take into context what we've talked about here today, what's one thing you wish people would do differently? Mm. And just to touch on the last thing too, I, I agree. It's just difficult. I just want to make sure I mention that it's not impossible. Yes. As a solopreneur. Right. Uh, when people think differently, I wish that people realize that it's okay to be multidisciplinary. It's okay to put your hands in all these different cookie jars. Even if you never go down that path, your hobbies are you putting your hands into that cookie jar. So like, for example, I started out loving sprites which are 2d characters for video games like mario jumping on the screen i love those little characters and i got really into pokemon and zelda and all these different stuff growing up and i would find those sprites and i would edit those and i would create my own and so i literally started doing graphic design at a young age learning how to see color match things and do shading and that skill that was just a hobby then led into me well like social media posts for my personal brand and that kind of thing and so that one hobby led into a deep skill that now i could actually be paid for if i were to go down that path if i wanted to and i also knew that in high school i wanted to do digital media so i pursued web design and video editing and audio editing all these different skills like adobe cs5 and cs6 are now ingrained in my blood and it's just it's interesting how these small skills that I diverged my focus into are now part of my overall skill set. Yeah, fantastic. And I think it's such great advice to just be willing to, to, you know, it's, it's that whole difference between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. Yeah. And I think people like you, and I'm obviously one too, that have that growth mindset of what I, I'm almost addicted to learning. I'm constantly listening to audiobooks and podcasts. And yet I have a fairly big resistance to traditional education. I couldn't go back to uni now if I mm -hmm. wanted to just because of the way that my brain works. It would 
literally stifle who I am as a person, I think, to go back into a more traditional institution. So um, that works. I have, I have lots of friends who collect degrees and that works for them and that's great. <laughs> They're just perpetually learning something at university. But um, I think what's been really interesting in our conversation today is just how flexible it can be and how, you know, you don't have to go down one path and stay stay with that. So yeah, thank you that. so much, Justin, for joining me today. How do people best, we'll put all of your links in the show notes, but how, how do people best connect with you? Well, thank you, Kay, for having me. It's been awesome too. And I'm happy to come back on if you ever want me to come back. Uh, pride myself on the fact that you can find me almost on any platform at poly innovator you'll find and, him everywhere except clubhouse <laughs> except clubhouse you know what made me really mad about that is i can't even go on clubhouse website and reserve my username oh like, why can i do that that's just something i thought you was like find interesting. a friend with an ipad and then you can yeah. <laughs> yeah well and so people can find me anywhere tiktok's one of my main places instagram's one of my main places but i also create videos and audio and blog posts so you can find pretty much all of that stuff on my website polyinnovator.space Fantastic. Thanks so much, Dustin. It's great to speak with you today. You as well. Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash social lights. Please subscribe in your favourite podcast platform to receive future episodes and share with your tribe to inspire others to action.